If I told you what that what I put them lads through, you wouldn't believe it. Curling has to be the most difficult, eye-hurting sport I've ever witnessed. Ladies and gentlemen, we've been described as the bridesmaids of Harlan, but today we got married. Oh, there's no rules. This guy just grabbed the ball, threw it up in the air, and then hit it. But, but I'd like to thank you, the people of Wexford, who stuck with us through taking pace. Hello and welcome to episode 9 of the Hurling Podcast. This week, Ben and I are delighted to be joined by Fern St. Aidan's clubman and current Wexford star, Paul Morris. Paul recently made his 100th appearance for Wexford and he's a player that seems to be getting better with age. We start by rolling back the years to our time in the FCJ. We were just talking there before, before you came on. We played in a... For the school, we played 2006, we played in the Leinster final against Bagnestown. We got beaten. Were you on that team? I could have been. I think it was 08 we won the school's All-Ireland, wasn't it? I think yeah. so, yeah. So I would have been, no, that was that senior. I would have only been in third year then. I don't think I would have been on that. I was too young for it then, probably. I think you were on the panel anyway, because I remember getting a pair of boots off you. My yeah. boots broke or something, and you gave me your... It was the first time I wore Nike Mercurial Vapors and the very second... Silver ones. Yeah, I bought myself a pair of them after that game because I, I loved them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were playing a lot of Leinster, a lot of South Leinsters and a lot of Leinster finals with FCJ. Bagnallstown and Haywood, a lot of them kind of teams. You were midfield on the team then when you won in 08, yeah? Yeah, we played um, Cross and Passion from the North and played them in the All-Ireland final in 08. with a great win. We played a team... School from Cork in the semi-final um, in Nolan Park. It was a brilliant win that day. It was very tight. Um, but the final was, that was unbelievable. Now with Rory Kinsley and Gabriel Raider over the team at the time. It was a brilliant win. I think it was, uh, the last school in Mexico to win it was the CBS. I think Garrett's in it and some of them lads were on it. That was a serious team actually. They had CBS. Uh, was that semi-final in Nolan Park against Bishopstown? Yeah, it actually was. Yeah, Bishopstown and Cork. I remember I was on the way back from Limerick and College and we stopped into Nolan Park we caught the end of it No that was, a, it was an absolute brilliant win that day brilliant you, It would have been yourself Tompkins Billy Nolan you would have been the, the three main players would you? Yeah myself Tompkins and Billy Nolan were on the team um, sure Shane Kyo Mona Gear, he was corner forward on it uh, Sean Murphy confirmed he was centre back on the team he was a very good player at the time and Danica Kinsley as well he was on it so it was a mixture of Unclody and Ferns and the guys from the Duffery and some of the Carlo lads, James O'Hara and uh, Sean Foley and even Daniel St. Ledger is football for Carlo. He was on that squad at that time as well, even though he was more into the football. James Crane actually was centre forward, was he? Yeah, James Crane was centre forward. He was a bit like a bulldozer just to stop the centre back hurling was James Crane's job most days going out. We've had a, re- a request to bring Shane, James Crane on the podcast. Yeah. I think we've had two requests from the same person. <laughs> where where are you living now, Paul? I'm living in Enniscarty here now. Bought a house there about a year ago, so living in Enniscarty at the moment. Haven't got a transfer to the wraps just yet now or anything. I'm still waiting on, I'm still waiting on the, the deal to be done and see what size the check is going to be. Yeah, it's a fair trek from Enniscarty to Farns for train, that's a Oh yeah, it's desperately long. East the expenses are massive now, especially going out to the centre of excellence there for training. I wanted to ask you, the All-Ireland semi-final last year against Tipperary, 
you yourself had quite a good day, but the standout moment was when you sent Carl Barr for a hot dog and knocked it over the bar. And the camera went up close on you then, and you it could see you smiling and saying something to Barrett. What were you saying to him? <laughs> I won't tell you exactly what I was saying to him, but that was a, a little ongoing niggle there from the start <laughs> of the match. Carl Barr would be a wary enough corner back to one of the more wary ones that you definitely come across playing on. And it kind of started from just before the throw-in and it carried on right through the whole match, really. A lot of back and forth in terms of niggling and putting it a hurl and a bit of verbals here and there. But uh, look, it was all in good faith, really. And shake hands after the match and you're done with it. And you move on and leave it there. I, uh, but you won't tell yeah. us what you said. <laughs> <laughs> but you won't tell us what you said. No, I won't tell you exactly what I said. You probably were happy enough then in the way you did get the two points because they weren't just simple tap overs like putting the ball to his legs in the second half. Yeah, well, it wasn't something that I purposely done at the time, I suppose. Leo Kiefer played a, a, a great ball down the channel on the left-hand side in front of the Cusick stand and it wasn't that the ball was literally just about to go out over the line and it was a case of he made a mistake and that he rushed in on me and there was only one option for me if I went to pick it, I was going to end up in the back of the Cusick stand with the shoulder. So the only, the only other option was really to flick flick it and thankfully it went through his legs and it all looked pretty good and I was able to loop back around and put it over on the right but um, it wasn't something that intentionally did but it worked out pretty well for a finish definitely. <laughs> it was probably the point of the day I'd say. In, yeah, it was, it was the best of game the of the year really. Yeah it was probably for a general spectator it was definitely probably one of the best games that you know was played all year really from a, a total hurling perspective. For us, it was obviously bitter, bitter disappointing because we'd come so close to, you know, we pretty much had one foot in an All-Ireland final. And so it was, you know, it was a bitter pill to swallow and took a, lot, a long number of months before you really kind of started to get over it and move on with things again. It's amazing how you could have the best game of the year in a team with a team that plays a sweeper. Yeah, I suppose, look, there's a lot of controversy about the sweeper system in Wexford. And, you know, I, a lot, some people think it's negative. Some people don't. My my own personal view on it is it's it's total hurling. It's extremely positive. Um, I played in a forward line where it's six on six, and I'm playing in a forward line there the last few years under Davy, and it's five five forwards up against seven six or seven backs or whatever, and it's been far more enjoyable from a forwards perspective because you know exactly kind of this pockets of space that are being left for where the ball is going to hit and. You know, Wexford are a team, now we're getting 35, 40 shots off a game. If you look at the stats, maybe like, you know, previous to that, I wouldn't think we were getting that amount of shots off. And if you really actually scrutinise and analyse our game, there's an argument for we we're actually probably getting too many players forwards at time because we were two midfielders, we have our two half-backs up in the field, along with five forwards, you end up nearly crowding it and having too many bodies up there. So I, I think it's, it's really positive the way we play. And, and look, you talk about sweeper systems and look back to that great Kilkenny team that, you know, won all them All-Irelands. If, if you look at the way they played, they pretty much played with two half-forwards that were nearly playing as roving wing-backs a lot of the time. They were back and generally when the ball was in the Kilkenny backs, there was only two or three Kilkenny forwards inside their own 65. You know, back then I guess people weren't analysing hurling as much as they are now. So, you know, I, I don't, the sweeper system... I, I really personally enjoy playing in it and I think it suits the current extra players that we have and any system you design it has to suit the players that you have at hand Would it bug you at all or get to anyone in the squad or, or Davy or anyone 
the way people kind of still give out about it. It's just them being lazy when they're giving out about it and they're not seeing it for what it is. I think it's probably a little bit to do with just a bit traditional and a little bit old school view of Ireland that some people have. No, it doesn't really frustrate anyone in the squad because when you're in that kind of environment, you can't afford to be listening to people outside the four walls of the dressing room. You know, we've probably 36 players in the panel, 15, 20 in the back room. They're the only real players that you need to, people that you need to listen to. Any, anything else and outside of that is just a distraction. And, you know, everybody's going to have their own view, but at the end of the day, up until last year, Wexford, we hadn't won a Leinster title and I think it was 15 years, you know, and we've won a Leinster title now. We got Ben Leinster final in 17. We've been in Ireland semi-final in Pip. We've been in league semi-finals. You know, the graph has been massively on the up over the last couple of years. So I don't really understand if people are giving out. What do they want to go back to when we were getting better and we weren't in Leinster finals, we weren't making, you know, league semi-finals and contesting for silverware. And we've won two Welsh Cups under under Davy. I don't I never won a Welsh Cup before that, but in a few finals. You're obviously playing in corner forward where generally the sweeper has come from the full forward line. So you're you're mainly at the toughest part you're probably two against three in there. What extra like defensive things is asked of you when you're covering an extra man? First and foremost is you have you have to be prepared to be unselfish um, and you have to be prepared to work really hard in that position because generally the extra man will sit on the edge of the V. You're out there and your man will follow you. So it's, in most cases you're in a two a two V one situation. But I think it's about being smart and, and the type of runs that you make and covering off that sweeper. Like a lot of the time naturally a sweeper will go out to take breaking ball behind the half back line and it's just to be aware to be out with him for that break because generally if you leave your man to go out to the sweeper to the back of a break, your man will sit back in um in front of the full in front of our full forward to protect the goal. So you know, the biggest thing about the role is just prepared, no different than any far, to be a total team player and do what's needed to, to get over the line and make sure that you win the game. You nearly find you're almost doing more defensive work, say, than attacking because you're covering two men nearly. Not really. Not so much because I suppose the way our system works is it's a little bit intricate in that Every player has to be able to play in every position. So it's not that I'd be in that position all the time. There's times I might be out on the half forward line and it could be Jack O'Connor could be in that role or Rory O'Connor. It's not that you're set and stuck in that role. I think if you look at the Wexford team and every player is nearly able to play in any position. You know, I remember we played awfully in the championship a couple of years ago. Bet him really well up in Tullamore and it was for five minutes I actually ended up in corner back. That's the type of system that we're playing that it's totally intricate and that anybody can play anywhere. In the Leinster final this year, say the game two weeks earlier, Parry Walsh got man of the match playing basically in the sweeper role. And then the next game, he didn't, the Leinster final didn't have much impact on the game really at all. Whereas kind of Paul Murphy, who you, who technically would have been supposed to be marking you, seemed to be on a lot of ball, but he couldn't do much with it. Like, was there kind of a, like a decision where I'm going to make sure Parg Walsh doesn't get on too much ball because he'd kill you, as opposed to Paul Murphy, who's, we'll say, not, not Parg Walsh. No, it wasn't that we identified that we'd want Paul Murphy on the ball a bit more. And it was just obviously from the week before, Walsh had a big influence on the game um, and he'd come out with a lot of balls. So obviously when you're going into a Leinster final, you're aware of that. And there was certain things we focused on to, I suppose, try to stop his influence on the game because... 
when you're playing Wexford, the, the opposition team, they're going to pick probably their best ball player at the back to play the sweeper system, who's best at reading the game and who's best at using the ball. And for Kenny, yeah, that's probably par equal. So you do want to limit the amount of times that he's getting possession. But I think in that game in Wexford Park too, if you look back at it, it comes it comes back to a lot of Wexford use of the ball. You know, if, if our if our defenders and midfielders aren't being clever with the ball and they aren't using it sensibly, you know, no matter how much work you do as an inside forward, if, if the ball is going to be hit away cheaply, the sweeper's always going to get in a lot of possession. Um so I guess it's a combination of both really. You do need our defenders and midfielders coming out with the ball to be smart. Mm. I'll go back. Um, you were two. You're on the minor team for two years, were you? Yeah, on the minor team for two years with Tom Lemsey and Liam Dunn were the managers. And you were midfield the first year. Yeah, midfield the first year and centre forward for most of the second year. And if I remember correctly, you played Dublin in Dr. Cullen Park, beaten very convincingly. Fairly, fairly poor performance in general for the team. And then the next year, you got to the Leinster final. You beat. Dublin in a replay to get to the Leinster final, I think. And you scored basically the winning goal, one of the best goals I've seen, I think, from memory anyway. Yeah, so we played we played Dublin actually in Crow Park in the first game. It was um, before one of the Wexford senior games and we we drew with them. And we played the replay then a week later. It was a Saturday evening in Wexford Park and um, it was nip and tuck pretty much the whole, for a lot of the game. And I got a goal, I think it was with about five or, five or ten minutes to go and... I actually wasn't having a particularly good game that day. It was, things were just weren't really flowing for me. But I got a chance about someone popped me a ball. I think it was about 30 yards out and broke through down the middle and scored a goal. And I think I got another point shortly after it. And one of them days where you finish up with the last 10 minutes kind of having an influence on the game. And the overall feeling is that you had a great game. But when you actually dissect it, things weren't really going that well for me that day. But that goal did kind of us really to, to get the win and we wanted Leinster final we played Kilkenny then a few weeks later in Crow Park yeah, you, didn't, you didn't really didn't really do that well in the Leinster final it was a convincing win for Kenny in the end was it? Yeah we didn't perform well in the Leinster final really at all Kilkenny bet us by about 7 or 8 points we, we never got never got a foothold in that game and lost to convincingly and then we drew Galway in the All-Ireland quarterfinals we went into and that was just Real nightmare game. We were right in the game, and I think with about ten minutes to go, Galway went down to thirteen players, and we were fifteen, and we just never managed to close the game out. And we lost it by a couple of points, and it was it was real sickening defeat. And Galway actually went on and contested the All Ireland final that year. Kenny Beck Galway, but it was a chance missed definitely for that Wexford minor team to to go on to an All Ireland final. For that Leinster final against Kenny, I think I was in. I was in San Diego with your brother actually and we got up at 8 o'clock in the morning to go watch the game in the pub but we couldn't find the pub so, <laughs> so, so we just had to go back go back home with our tails between our legs <laughs> then would you have been straight on the under 21 team when you um, at a minor yeah I went straight into the under 21 I think it was three years at under 21 first year I think I think Mickery Stafford was the manager in Dublin and Dublin beat us in Leinster semi-final and we were really unlucky one year we lost the Leinster final to, to Dublin in under 21 and Tony Dempsey was over us and we had um, Johnny Honda with him um, and oh, there was a couple of other guys Gary Laffin was involved with the team at the time as well but Tony was a, Tony was a great manager he was Tony was mad and he had some mad mates in the way he was training us and things he used to do 
Tony had a great one and it was he'd put us all like 30 lads in a straight line and it was he'd just call a lad and be like Mark Fanning set the pace and Mark Fanning and have to belt on as hard as he could and every 30 lads would have to follow him up to the field and you wouldn't know whether you're going to the 65 or the far end line it'd be when Tony makes up his mind that he wants to call you back and yeah. he'd turn, turn you around then and jog and he'd call someone else set the pace and this could go on for 10 minutes I remember we were, I remember actually we were doing it as a warm up Playing Dublin, I think it was an Leinster semi-final in Parnell Park. Dublin were down there with probably 50 cones lined out doing all these fancy drills for the warm-up and 30 Wexford lads were lined across Parnell Park and setting the pace, sprinting up and down to the 65 and <laughs> five minutes of this, lads were absolutely calving before the match. Did Tony Dempsey have you running eight laps and then 16 laps and then... Yeah, Tony, you could arrive into training you could be thinking you're going for an hour hurling and Tony could tell you to sprint five laps of the field as hard as he could and give you a break for a minute then and ask you to run another three. It was it was yeah. mad stuff, but he'd certainly get you fit anyway. That's one thing for sure with Tony. He'd um, test your mentality. Big time. And you know, that was a lot, I suppose, with Tony and the way he managed teams was it was a bit of a test of your mental toughness and, and he'd want to weed you out early enough how much you were willing to give, really. But I know Tony was brilliant over the teams them years. He was he was great. That was one of the first wins against Kilkenny in any grade for, for a long time, actually. Yeah, we beat Kilkenny in the Leinster semi-final that year. and I think there's a lot of that team came through to play senior for Wexford, which is great. And a lot of that Kilkenny team, I think they had likes of Jarrah Aylward was on it at the time, Connor Fogarty and Wally Walsh. A lot of lads that went on to hurl for Kilkenny were on that team as well, but that was a, that was a big win in for Wexford at that time because you know we've been suffering to Kilkenny for a long time and we hadn't we hadn't beaten them in God knows how long and they beat us in that same kind of grade back in minor as well in the Leinster final so it was bittersweet to to win that night and the killer thing was we didn't finish it off and Dublin bet us in a Leinster a Leinster final when you know we we just really didn't do ourselves just on the even. How did you then find the transition from? Minor to under 21 and then into the senior setup? I found this transition from minor to under 21 was kind of okay because you were still playing with the same group of players and it was a natural kind of transition, really. And then from the senior, when we finished kind of in the under 21s, my first year was in with the Wexford seniors and Colin Bonner was the manager of the team at the time. And obviously that was, was a big change. You know, I was about 19 back then and you were going into a dressing room with likes of Damien. Damien Fitzhenry was there, you'd Nick, you'd Rory Jacob, Darren Stamp, you'd Keith Roster, Malik Travers, Kieran Kenny, all these lads have been in Harlem for Wexford for years and were great servants to the county and a little bit intimidating, I guess, for a 19-year-old to go into that kind of a setup. But all them guys were fantastic, you know, there was no egos there. Anything in you were made feel welcome and at home straight away. There would have been many of your age group going in. Like there's I think there's seven of that minor team. Is there that one Leinster this year? It'd be a good chunk of that in the current, definitely in the current senior setup. And back then, I saw Harry, Harry Keogh was on it, and Andrew Shore, and a couple of other lads were in there at the time. So there was there was a nice spread, and you know, following on from that, you kind of guys like Owen Moore and Sean Murphy are on my edge who came into the panel then, kind of when he took over in 2012. I don't look fondly back on Colin Bonner to be honest, because I I, I don't feel like he kind of gave me a a fair shot kind of as a 19 year old coming into the Wexford setup he, gave, he didn't really give me the guidance that probably an 18 or 19 year old needs at that stage in their career and I remember I was actually in the panel for year one and year two I wasn't in the panel and I was just playing with the Wexford under 21s and Liam Dunk in the following year and I was back in the panel and 
just looking back, I don't think that's how you develop a 19-year-old player that's just come out of county minors to bring him in. Kind of, I got to play a bit of game time in the league and came on the championship again, Galway, and then suddenly wasn't in the panel the following year. And albeit I hadn't like been playing fantastic or showing great form or anything like that, but at the same time, I think you need to be persistent with a 19-year-old at that stage. You know, Wexford didn't have a huge amount of like new blood coming through back then either. I thought it could have been just handled a little bit better. It's not that I don't like Colin Bonner. I, I like I like Colin Bonner as a person. He was a good man. But just looking back, I, do you know what I'm trying to say? Like as a 19-year-old, I get that. I mean, when he left, when he left you off, was there any words? Why did he just say, "I don't think you're ready," or was it just you're not part of the panel now? No, because the team had actually been called back in. I think to train him because me and Harry Kiel were good friends at the time, and he was in the panel and. To, to, Certain X amount of players that got a message about it. I think there was a meeting or training call, and mm-hmm. uh, Hannah could have been in the panel. Then there was a few of us, and I didn't hear anything for probably a couple of weeks after that. The team were called back in, and you know, I, I wasn't showing fantastic form or anything, don't get me wrong, but just as a like a 19 year old, probably could be handled better and developed a little bit differently. Obviously, very disappointing at the time, but maybe looking back now, it was the best thing ever happened to me, and it, it might mean a a little bit of a kick that I needed to push on and develop myself a little bit more because it does, it takes a couple of years to get kind of up to speed with senior inter-county hurling. It's, it's a different animal and, you know, even now, like the, the step up from club hurling to inter-county hurling, I would say it's about five levels of a difference in terms of the step up, the speed of hurling, the way you train and just even, you know, in clubman Gavin Bailey, you'd see that, like he came into the panel his first year last year. And, you know, he struggled at the start of pre-season just to get up to that speed and that fitness level required to be an inter-county player compared to this year. Now, he's a totally different animal and he's, he's up near the top of the pack in terms of the fitness training. It just shows you need to get that year or 12 months under your belt. That was your first, was that your first championship start against Offaly in 2012? Yeah, so under Colin Bonner, I had made my kind of championship debut. I came on against Galway up in Nolan Park. He'd been bet pretty pretty convincingly that day it wasn't good at all. And then I got my first start under Liam Dunn in 2012. We played awfully pretty decent game that night. I got a couple of points and overall played, played fairly well, but it was disappointing coming out of Tullamore because we kind of would have expected ourselves to, to get a victory kind of that evening. And Liam Dunn had a bit of war, a war of words with um, Ollie Baker, I think, in the lead-up. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Them, all them guys back from the 90s, I think, like to have a little bit of war words with each other. And, you know, there was certainly no love lost between any of them guys. And I'm sure being, as you know yourselves, the passionate guy that he is, definitely wasn't going to let anyone get an inch on him. You were playing then the next year, wing forward, I think, against Clare in Turles, a game I bring up regularly on the podcast, actually, where Mossy Waters got injured and Clare scored two points when he was injured. Yeah, and I think that's, again, people actually forget in Wexford's history. We were very close that year in the qualifiers. You know, that would have that would have put us in, I think it was an All-Ireland quarterfinal if we had won that. And sure, obviously Clare went on and they, they won the All-Ireland in 2013. And, you know, that game, we brought it to extra time. And I think it was O'Sullivan was the referee and Massey Waters pulled back and he was, he was down injured. And he got a really serious injury that evening. It was almost a career threat injury that he got. Um but looking back, I, I suppose, and Liam Dunn had mentioned it before, but a bit more experience, maybe Mark Fanny was in the goal and he was young at the time. And, you know, maybe 
Damien Fitzhenry had been there, would he, would he have put the ball out, you know, with Massey Waters lying on the ground? That was a game that we, we definitely let slip, but thankfully we got another crack at Clare the following year and we were, we were able to beat him. I think that game is a real kind of sliding doors game because if Massey Waters isn't injured and Wexford win that game, Davy has no All Ireland and there's lads out there giving out about the sweeper system, calling him a cod, you know, <laughs> and he doesn't have that All Ireland to back it up with. Yeah, I know, but that that's Harland and like Harland, big games are won on fine margins and, and little things no different than the All Ireland semi final toss last year. Fine margins was the kind of difference between winning and, and losing that game. And you have to raise your luck at times in Harland and I guess Clare Road their luck a, a little bit that day and you know, they justifiably went on and they won in All Ireland and Fair play to him. You know, there's not, not too many players end up with all Ireland medals at the end of their career and they have it and nobody can take it away from him. The twenty fourteen year is probably then your real breakout year, kind of nationally, I would say. From particularly the drawn game where you were taken off and then you came back on next time and scored three points. Like what was what was going through your mind in between the time you got taken off to the time you got to come back on? Yeah, that was the sec. That was actually the second game we drew with him in Ennis, yeah. and then the second game we played him in Wexford Park the following week. I wasn't playing particularly well, and I took off about I think fifty minutes into the game, and you know, obviously, bitter disappointed like anyone is when they get taken off in in a big game like that. Um, and sure, the game had ended up a draw, and you know, he just said to me, "Come into the dressing room here and put me back on wing forward," and you know, it was it was just like. A new lease of life, really. I just the shackles were off. You nothing to lose at that stage. Just go for it, and you know a few balls broke here and there, and that three points in extra time. We went on and we won, and I think that was probably the big breakthrough moment for Wexford in that realizing God, we're here. We're, we're good enough to compete and beat the big teams, and you know that was a massive evening, and an evening I'll never forget. Anyway, it was one of the best we've ever had as a, a Wexford player. And then a week later, then I think you were you were man of the match against Waterford a week later, were you? One three, one six. Yeah, we played we played Waterford the following the following week. So that was the third game on the trot. So our know, legs were getting tired. We were running a little bit on momentum at that stage, and we played Waterford in Nolan Park, and the sun was splitting the trees. It was as nice and even as you ever get for hurling. And Nolan Park was packed the capacity. There was twenty plus thousand in it, and it was it was an absolute electric evening. And we scored like David Redmond got a goal, I got a goal, I think Conor Mack got a goal. The crowd was absolutely erupting and it was a brilliant win. It was it was one of the games I'd look back on now and one of my most fondest fondest games. Not just that I personally had a good game that evening, but just from a total extra point of view, the atmosphere and the passion that was in Northern Park that night was just unbelievable. And there's something about playing in I know when you go to Crow Park and you're playing in front of sixty five, seventy thousand people, it's unbelievable. But then in some of the smaller venues like Wexford Park and Nolan Park and there's 20,000 there, it's, it's an unbelievable atmosphere and it's, it's as good a feeling as going up to Crow Park and playing in front of the, the bigger numbers. I do I do remember that game uh, being there and just the buzzing feeling about the whole thing, the atmosphere and the Wexford team, you know, riding on such a high from, from beating Clare. And it was kind of, it was never in doubt that we were going to beat Waterford that day. And Wexford had... They had so many good performances. Like they, they showed that they had the ability with the close match against Clare in 2013. Then Clare go on to win the All Ireland. They draw with them in 2014 in Ennis, and then go beat them in Wexford Park. Beat Waterford that day in the in the qualifiers. Do you think there was just a lack of consistency? 
Yeah, I think that was probably the biggest thing in, you know, when Liam was over us and Liam done a great job over us. But as a group of players, we just we just weren't consistent. We weren't week in, week out, putting in the same type of performances. You know, we weren't that 8 out of 10 week in, week out. We were going from an 8 or a 9 out of 10 down to a 4 out of 10, back up to a 6. It was, you know, it was a, it was a little bit all over the shop in terms of performances. And it was one of the things kind of in 2017 on and 18. And we discussed it a lot as a group. We, we need to become consistent. We need to be a regular team that shows up every week. And, you know, we're, we're going to be hard to beat no matter what type of performance we really put in just be a dogged team that's difficult difficult to beat but back then yeah it was very up and down and I think after that Walford game we played Limerick in the All-Ireland quarterfinal and they trounced us and it was a little bit that it was our fourth week on the go you know six seven day turnaround times which which was a bit much you know and Limerick were fresh off the back of a two or three week break before that game and it eventually caught up on us and we got trounced and you know, definitely back back to your question, consistency was the big problem with the team then. And is there any, anything in particular that you could put your finger on that the reason why the consistency wasn't there? Not, there's not one thing, I suppose, that you can put it put it down to, whether it was just maybe a little bit of lack of belief that we can do it week in or week out at the time. And, you know, we had, we had taken some beatings from different teams for the last couple of years and that does have an effect on you and it has effect on you as a group of players and a team. And, you know, it's not until you get a few wins under the belt that you really start to believe you're good enough and consistently you can compete with these teams week in, week out. What was it when things were going, say, really bad and you were getting big beatings? Were you ever questioning, will it ever turn around? Yeah, of course, there was times, there was, there was very dark times when you questioned, was it worth it? As an, as an individual, you'll ask yourself, is this worth it? Like, I remember in... 2015, we went to Nolan Park and Kilkenny absolutely trounced the St. Leinster Championship. You know, and, and after days like that, you're saying, you're saying to yourself, is it worth it? Or, you know, why, why am I giving up all this time and you're getting beatings like this and you can't go anywhere and people are criticizing the team, they're criticizing your teammates, people are criticizing you. And it definitely does make you question everything. But I suppose that's, that's when it starts out who really wants it and who doesn't and who is prepared to, you know, at the inner belief to keep at it, keep sticking with kind of what you as an individual want to achieve. And that's winning stuff at inter-county level. And, you know, thankfully we've done that now and we've got a bit of silverware. But I suppose the, the days like the Leinster final last year, kind of, it's, it's more bittersweet because, you know, you've, you've travelled a long road with these guys and, you know, you've all suffered along the way and it, it makes it a little bit more worthwhile. Would you have received much criticism in those, you know, worst years and say 2015 after big defeats to Kilkenny would you have received much criticism personally yourself? Not that many people have come up to you to your face and criticise you or anything but back when I was in my early 20s like and you know you'd be reading things and you'd read the local papers or you might even read some of the online forums like Hogan Stand and you're younger which is totally stupid and, and shouldn't be doing and you'd see people like criticising you that just you mightn't be good enough you're not up to inter-county level or poor performances and you know that that type of stuff and I guess that was looking back now that was stupid of me to be even reading into any of that kind of stuff because it doesn't matter that could be anybody you know hiding on an online form saying stuff like that and thankfully you know after that I made a decision and I, I stopped reading all papers I stopped reading all online stuff and I don't I don't read any of that now like I wouldn't read national paper on sports after a Wexford match I, I wouldn't read any of the stuff online on Twitter. I just stay totally away from all of that, really, to be honest. 
even after you win, like even after the Leinster final, you wouldn't go have a read back over it. No, I did. I genuinely, I didn't really read any of the match reports after the Leinster final or after the All Ireland semi final because you have to be prepared if you if you're not going to re- read the bad stuff. I suppose you have to be prepared not to be reading all the good stuff either because you know you become a little bit mentally weak. Then if you're only prepared to read it and it's good, you know, and I, I just find for me as an individual it works better that I I don't take them outside factors into my own mind because there's nothing I can do about them because at the end of the day it's just a person's opinion and bottom line is the Wexford management team and my players they're the opinions that are the only ones that really matter. And would that be discussed at all as a panel would you all kind of be advised not to do it or are you let make that decision yourself? No I think that's a decision that's left up to the individual because you know you have so many diverse characters in in the squad you know some lads might like reading reading that might give them a bit of a buzz reading the match reports and it's individual so there's no real direction it's left up to yourself what you want to do and what works for you is best you'd be the second longest in the panel would you harry kill be the longest yeah and martin is there he's the longest actually in the panel at, at the moment and harry would be after that and it's probably myself then and i suppose after that then it's you know, like sashaan murphy or you know Mahan and these guys that are in the panel probably the longest but yeah I'm up there I'm up there now unfortunately that's a good way to be you only completed your 100, 100 appearance there a couple of months ago yeah I think in the Welsh one of the Welsh Cup match there to start of the year we capped off 100 appearances it's mad how quickly the time was you know like if the championship goes ahead at the moment or this year I think it'll be going into about my 10th season you know and it's amazing your career can just flash by you but personally I've, I've never felt kind of better I feel better and fitter and sharper now than I probably did when I was 24 or 25 and just overall looking after myself a little bit better compared to back in my early 20s I looking back now I'd be very disappointed with some of the things that I did and didn't really train properly diet properly look after myself properly and definitely didn't get the best out of myself back in back in my early 20s we were delighted to hear that you do listen to the podcast and you know if you don't like hearing about yourself too much we're sorry because we, we are kind of a bit of a Paul Morris fan club here. <laughs> we felt that you've been under underappreciated in a, in your role for Wexford over the last couple of years. But I really think the last year and the way you've started this year, you, you, as you just said, you've never felt stronger. Your performances just keep getting better and better. What, what would you put that down to? I suppose I've become a bit more selfish in my own time and working on some of the areas that I kind of feel that I is going to bring my game to another level. You know, like I've, worked hard on my fitness levels um, I've worked hard with our, our new coach has been really good Graham Barney's been excellent he followed on from three years great work Darren Siggins has done but regarding like gym work and strength power work and even working on speed speed and agility drill and stuff like that I guess it's a combination of all the stuff that you do on your own that leads to kind of better performances week in week out and overall just living a better lifestyle you know eating better training better just getting into good habits really and how does that affect your your day-to-day life you're working with future nutrition is it yeah i'm working in commercial manager for future nutrition and um, we manufacture sports supplements and pretty much about 95 percent of what we make is exported out of ireland so it's a combination of a lot of it's done through laptops so it's office based and traveling so it is a little bit at times hard to juggle at certain parts of the year. So once you accommodate the boss and accommodate the manager, you're able to work through it. When you look back to when you came on the panel first to now, do you think that maybe then did like clear attitudes need to change? 
yeah, definitely. But like to be fair, when Liam Dunn took over in 2012, he took over when things were at an all-time low, really. I think previous to that, we had lost in the league to Carlo even. So there was a lot of work to be done and as a group of players. And the panel was pretty much reformed at that stage. And Liam let a couple of lads go and he pretty much created a new panel. I think the first night there was 40 players brought in initially and it was whittled down to whatever, about 30-something. But as a group of players... Definitely the mindset needed to be shifted at that stage. You know, we've come off the back of a lot of defeats. That can be mentally taxing on you as well. So it was a total rebuilding process. And for five years, I think, like, Liam rebuilt it. And David came in and I suppose he brought, brought his own angle to it. And, you know, he definitely increased our mental toughness. He created, I suppose, an environment that winning was done at all kind of costs and you know I think that's been the biggest difference since he came in is the, the mindset that he's brought to the whole thing that you know you win at all costs. Were we a bit tactically naive do you think back then as well? Maybe but Thurland has evolved I suppose even since then from back in 2012 and 13 the tactics weren't as big a thing when I was kind of starting out in my early career there was a lot of get the ball and kind of hit it whereas now definitely in the last three or four years tactically the game was has moved on to another level but maybe we were I suppose a little bit behind some of kind of what the other the other top teams were doing then but we were a little bit unlucky in the sense that we always had Kilkenny as a roadblock here in Leinster and Kilkenny was a fantastic team back then you know it wasn't just Wexford that were taking beatings that that Kilkenny team had a lot of teams all around Ireland that had suffered heavy defeats yeah 2015 if I remember thinking of a beating 2015 is probably a disappointing beating considering the progress that was made in 2014 and then go to Nolan Park and get that serious, I think 24 points or something. Yeah, 2015 was a, it was a real low year. It was kind of, it was a total write-off year. Nothing really good had, had come at the back end of that year. And, you know, off the promise that we had shown in 2014, you know, beating Clare, Holland champions, beating Waterford, getting into an Ireland quarterfinal, albeit back convincingly. There was a lot of hope at that stage after 2014 and there was a lot to build on going forward. Just 2015 never materialised whatsoever First week. We never got off the ground. And I think we exited in the qualifiers to Cork that year. Um, the Bettis convincingly enough in Wexford Park. And, you know, it was, a, it was a really disappointing end. Thank God we still have Davy Fitzgerald as manager of the Wexford team. Would you have been part of the crew of lads that uh, headed across the Six Mile Bridge that time to get him to come back on board? Yeah, I did head down. There was a good crew of us headed down that time to, to get him back. And, you know, we were at a bit of a crossroads at that stage. We'd, we'd done so much work under Davey and he put so much into the team. It really felt like there was unfinished business there. And, you know, as a group of players, I think there's nothing better for, if, if you were a manager anyway, seeing the players that you've been coaching for the last couple of years make the effort to come down to your home to kind of push you to come back. It, it's, it was definitely, I suppose, one of the things that helped get him, get him back over the line. And, you know, thankfully he did, and you know, question marks would be there if if he hadn't come back, would we have the Leinster title or not? How did it go down? Did he know he were coming, or did he just arrive on his front door? I think I think he had a, a a small bit of a heads up that we there might be a couple of lads coming, but I don't think he think thought that there'd be maybe fourteen or fifteen lads coming. He thought it might have been two or two or three of the guys, so it probably was a little bit of a surprise when we all rocked into his sitting room. But we're actually very disappointed now because there was a. Great story going around with the Clare boys got my body over in Davy's house one night, but we didn't even get offered a glass of my body <laughs> in the down there. <laughs> and um, 
then last year again there was a debate of whether he'd come back or not and he didn't just agree to come back for one year but he agreed two more years was there anything there that the players um, did to to help get those two years or was that more down to himself making these decisions this time? Well, I suppose as a, as a player and individuals we took it off our own back to express that we wanted him back first and foremost because you know it was important for players to you know show him the gratitude that he had put in so much work to us and thank him for that and just let him know that we wanted him back but it was kind of at the stage that was going to be down to him and his own personal decision whether he wanted to come back or not and you know, thankfully he did he did come back in the end albeit it, it, it drew out for a little while and you know everybody was left wondering what was going to happen but you know it was great then when we got the news that he was kind of signing back up for two more years yeah especially then there was a lot of rumors that he was agreeing to like you know the way rumors happen but he had nearly the papers had it that he'd already signed on the on the line to go join the Galway management team yeah, there was a lot of talk about him going to Galway then and, you know, it was worrying, I suppose, from extra players and the extra point of view, but he had communicated to us that, you know, he wouldn't be doing anything until he decided whether he was going to be Wexford manager or not. It wasn't a case of Wexford or Galway. You know, he was making up his mind whether he wanted to come back to us first and foremost. And to be fair to him, he did communicate that to us and anything that was wrong in the papers was, I suppose, just speculation, really. Yeah. Would any manager that you've had had particular like requests that you know Paul you need to work on this part of your game or that part of your game or Davey was very big on my tackling when he came in at first it was an area that he really wanted me to be improved he thought I could be a better tackler a more aggressive and a more vicious tackler and I, I'd have to say I'd, I would agree with him like and it's definitely part of my game I think I've improved and we have worked on it a lot because we do focus on that quite a bit in training and um, so that was definitely one area and how do you work on your tackling? Like, it's not as if before you wouldn't have been trying to still win the ball and all. So what, what do you actually do to get better at tackling? It's kind of working on your technique and your actual footwork in terms of your body position and his right. And it's being smart. It's not about just going in and wrapping the lad and hitting him a good shot. It's nearly letting the lad have the ball, letting him take his steps, don't tackle him. And when he's about to play it, that's when you make the tackler. When he's about to take a touch on the hurt try to get in with a flick, it's, it's about time and it's, it's not just all about pure aggression in the tackle, it's being smart. So would he have worked on that with you or would have been one of the one of the coaches? Yeah, he would have done a bit and other the coaches would have done a bit as well and he'd be took off at times and kind of 1v1 out to the side, just certain lads picked out different nights to go work on kind of your own individual thing, which is, you know, it's probably a part of Ireland that's been lacking you know, focusing on the individual because everybody has different strengths and weaknesses. I think, you know, it's something that definitely hasn't been done enough is technique in general. You're not taught how to hit a ball, or we weren't anyway when we were younger. You just, here's the stick, here's the ball, throw it up and hit it. You're not given any any kind of directions on what way to hit it or what now. Yeah, and, it's been, and it's been even the same for, you know, some of the strength and conditioning side of things. Graham Burns, since he's come in this year, he's a soccer background. He was with Dundalk for five years, you know, and they would have been playing in Europe and that at the time. And, you know, it was just to get a different perspective in kind of some of the footwork and agility and change of direction drills that he'd be doing, which, you know, it's really applicable to Harlan and there's not a lot of it done in Harlan. But if you can just spend 10 or 15 minutes at the start of a session twice a week, even it's amazing the difference it can make for your turning and just your balance on your feet. Yeah, especially when the game is like, it's a game of inches now at the moment. Every second, every inch counts so much. And we're in this quarantine. What kind of stuff 
does he have you doing right now? I suppose it's a mixture of the hurling stuff that Davey set out that you want to do and the strength and conditioning side of things that Graham or coach wants us to do. And, you know, some people I suppose are frustrated. Personally, I actually enjoyed the last five or six weeks because it was a chance where you as an individual can focus exactly on the stuff that you need because the group of 36 when you're going training all the time, you're not always getting the stuff that's going to make you better as an individual. So it's a chance to hone in on little parts of your game and try gain them little percentages to make you a better player. But it's a mixture, really, of you know a bit of aerobic fitness work, a bit of speed work, um, then keeping up your gym work and just getting in your hurling, really, and difficult at the beginning. You know, you're trying to do all the hurling and do all that on your own. So, you know, after coming, coming to now, I think it's roughly about seven weeks in, you know, you're, you're kind of itching to get back at it and back into the group environment. And would you join up on a Zoom chat as a group at all? Would you maybe in smaller groups or as a full panel? Yeah, we do catch up over Zoom once, nearly about once a week. We have a chat and Graham or coach, we might do a chat on just nutrition or another chat on how, how guys weeks to week training are going or if there's any questions and just share some ideas and thoughts and have a bit of banter really. That's, that's about all we can do for the moment. Yeah, and is there any kind of plan like we... we we're at the start of May now and we heard last week that it's probably looking to be August before things are back to normal. Do you have any plan of how you're going to come out of this or what, 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 what are you going to do going forward to have yourselves ready in case a championship is sprung on you within, with two weeks notice or something? No, I suppose we have our base fitness, which is great, you know, because we had a good pre-season. We have a, a, most of a league campaign under our belt and we've been able to hold on to that base the last six or seven weeks. And, when you have that base of aerobic and anaerobic fitness done, it's generally not something that you're going to lose really quickly. So it's a matter of just maintaining that at the moment, really, and refining some of the skills to, to, to make you a better player. Of course, in, in terms of timeline, it's very difficult to say. You know, everybody is just waiting for the GA to make an announcement. And I guess they're not wanting to make any rash decisions and they're wanting to kind of do what's going to be best. And obviously, with health and safety, number one is the priority. But... You'd be hopeful over the next week or two that something will be kind of coming out in terms of next steps and solutions for later on in the year in terms of getting a championship going. There's four finalists in the panel at the minute, is there? Yeah, there's myself and Gavin Bailey, James Lawler and Connor Scallon. So it's great. It's a long time since Farns had four players in a Wexford senior hurling squad. So it's great. And, you know, we had a lot of young guys in with the Wexford under 20, under 20 team last year. We had five playing on it. So... No, it's a good time for Farns in terms of having players representing Wexford. No, I've been told, and um, not that I'd be down there, but teams are going well in the club, I've been told, and that's why a man you know, Tom, reckons that there's a senior championship in those young lads. Yeah, well, sure. Look, that remains to be seen. With Farns, we've been definitely we've been knocking on the door for a long time in, term, in trying to win a county title. We've been probably in five or six county semi-finals. We were in the county final back in 2013, and... You know, we've been unlucky probably not to make another couple of county finals, but we got a great injection of youth there a couple of years ago with the five kind of guys that came from our team that had lost the Premier Hurling final to the Martins back then. So that was a brilliant injection into it. And, you know, they're all great players, great attitudes, well-disciplined, and they, they want to be the best they can be. So, you know, we're hopeful for the future, but the county title in Wexford is not won easily. It's very competitive at the moment, though. There's a lot of teams that really genuinely have a good chance of winning it you know it's not like back in 13 and 14 and you know Owlert were the kingpins and 
you had to be a 10 out of 10 if you were going to tap a loudlet back then. You know, and, and you might only do that once in every five or six times. Um, but now, I, there's probably anybody feels to have a chance of winning it, really. Yeah, and even well, on a day, like, if, if lads hit top form, and if firms hit top form, they can definitely be anywhere. Yeah, sure. We've we've showed that, you know, like when we hit top form, we can do what we done to Gory in the quarter final last year, or when we're kind of at a five or six out of ten in the county semi final, and the Martins beat us. You know, we're capable of getting bet by anyone. It's, mm. I suppose, Farns is a little bit similar to how Wexford would have been back a few years ago in terms of I think consistency is the big thing that we need to get to. You know, even looking back last year, early in the group stages, you know, the Raps beat us in the first round. We struggled to beat the Anns. We weren't, you know, we weren't really putting any consistent performances together until later in the championship, coming the end of the group stages and quarter final on. Would you find being We'll say the Ferns marquee forward. When you go to a club game and you're playing against a guy that you're in the Wexford panel with the whole time, is it difficult to uh, you know get the edge over them? Is there any like you were with Carl Bard, the little niggly things going on? Is it whatever happens on the field stays on the field, and then afterwards you shake hand and that's it? Yeah, definitely. When you're on the field and you cross that white line, you do what you have to do to win. You know, and there's no questions asked, and if that means. Unfortunately, falling out with some of your friends, your colleagues from the county team, so be it. But everyone is big and bold enough now that what happens between the white line stays there. You know, there's never any grudges hold if it's done in the sense that you want to win at all costs, really. And there's definitely no grudges held. Or I haven't been held any grudges anyway over the years. <laughs> yeah, well, I imagine that even in your own training games, that there's such there's such competition there for lads trying to actually make their place on the team that it'd be quite similar to a club match, they're not going to give you an inch, they're going to try to get the edge over you because they need to show that they're able to make the team the same way as you need to show that. Yeah, we've had some great internal games at Wexford, you know, over the last couple of years. They've been really intense and, you know, I remember one of the years, it could have been back in 17 or 18, we were playing, you know, some of the times the games have been lined up that he'd be the kind of first 15 that generally was going to be expected to be playing in the next round of the championship against kind of the remainder of the panel. And there was times when the remainder of the panel were beating the so-called first 15. And that's how competitive it was getting back then. And, you know, you were preparing going into them games like you were preparing going into a Leinster final. It was taking that seriously, the competition for places, not alone on the first 15, but there's guys want to get a jersey, you know, to get into the first 26. And I've been in that position before when I started out and, you know, my goal at a 19-year-old was to get into the 26 or the 28 match day squad to be dogging out. And, you know, that was a big step. So there's guys there at the moment, it's a big thing even to make the match day squad because, unfortunately, the way it is, you've got eight lads that don't get to tag out on match day, which is, you know, barely disappointing for them. So, you know, it's everybody is looking for a jersey in these training games. Burns are obviously playing with a sweeper at the minute. Where Gavin Bailey drops back, are you, are you trying to almost mirror the setup, or is it kind of different down the county? Well, it's not that we're trying to mirror and copy off what Wexford are doing. We're kind of finding a style that suits us as a group of players in Ferns. And if you look at the Ferns team, with a lot of small, kind of agile, nifty style of players, we we wouldn't be a team with massive ball winners, especially up front. You know, we wouldn't have predominant catchers. So it's finding a game that suits us. And Ferns are a fit team. We'd be fast, so it's a style that I think suits us. But it's it's like Anton; it nearly takes a couple of years to really get it refined and get everyone used to playing that system. But you know, it served us well for a lot of 
2019, um, but there's a lot more work to be done on it. You, throughout your time at Wexford and your time at Ferns, you've gone on and off taking freeze. Would you like to be on a freeze? Or why, why is it not consistent, say, that you're on them? Oh, no, really. It's, it's a bit of a tricky one. I guess with Ferns, we have a lot of really good free takers. You know, Ian Byrne is a good free taker. Bitsy is Tommy the Wire. And for a long number of years, hit the freeze with Ferns, and he was excellent. And there was a stage in Ian Dunn's tenure where I was hitting the freeze with Wexford, but I wasn't actually hitting him for the club. Tommy the Wire was hitting him for the club. And that was purely because Tommy the Wire was a brilliant free taker, and he wasn't missing him. So there was no need for me to come back and hit him. With Wexford, I, I, I remember I had been hitting him about a year or two and I, I think I got injured and I, I missed the spell of games and I think it would have been Jack Liney took over hitting the freeze then and you know it was a little bit of that is why I went off him at that stage but it has been a thing I suppose I've been on and off freeze for club and county kind of, since I started really for no particular reason I guess Would you prefer to be on them? doesn't really bother me I think with Wexford we've as good a free takers in Ireland and each in and they proved that last year and you know, Lee, Lee went through a, a spell there where he got a bit of criticism and a bit of stick for freeze and he might have missed a couple, but, you know, you have to stick with a free taker during them times and, you know, he turned in last year to be as, as good, if not the best free taker in Ireland, but especially some of the ones that he scored in the Leinster final and All-Ireland semi-final from, you know, out past his own 65, he was popping them over from. Um, so I think the big thing is kind of to stick with a free taker through a period when it might be a little bit sticky and things might be going bad and, I think it's great that we've done that with Wexford and now we've established tree taker and Lee and with Fernsey and Byrne has been hitting him the last couple of years and he's been doing a good job and you know for me it doesn't really bother me hitting freeze Um, I'll hit him if I'm asked to hit him and I, I don't really think any more about it and I, I don't mind hitting him. Even even this year um, maybe it's just because Lee hasn't been around but there's been a lot of different free takers how, how is it actually decided like we've had Jack taking freeze we've had yourself taking freeze Maybe Conor McDonald has even taken some freeze. How is it decided? Is it decided on each game on who's starting or what way does it work? No, I, I suppose it depends on what players are available. And Lee has been out for most of this year. And um, I wasn't playing a couple of the early games in the Welsh Cup. And Jack was, I suppose, the next predominant and inline free taker to hit him. And, and, and then just joined the league, it was mixed up a bit, I guess. And I started to hit him for a couple of games. And in the last game, then we had, we had Lee back. So it, it has been a bit mixing and matching but there's no doubt when everybody's available Lee's going to be hitting the freeze and you know he'd be the, the consistent number one When you came on against Carlo in the league earlier you came on and scored from, from my count is you got four freeze and four from play am I correct with that? It could have been something like no. that <laughs> yeah I struck goal that day I don't know it was just one of them days where everything seemed to went go right for you and the ball was bouncing your way every single time and you don't get too many days like that in Hurland, unfortunately, particularly at inter-county level. So when they're going, you'll, you'll take them, for sure. <laughs> and I think, now I'm getting somewhere with this, against Dublin in the league as well, you scored three points from play? Yeah, the game in Crow Park, yeah, I got, got three from play and I think two or three frees as well. Yeah, I think um, whoever's doing the match reports, he's, he's taking a point off you in every game. He gave you two against Dublin and he gave you three from play against Carroll. Another strange game, the, the league game against Leash this year actually was quite strange because you hadn't scored up until the, the 65th minute or something. And then within three minutes, you had four points. 
yeah, I suppose and the big thing, and I've learned this more than anything, is to be patient as an inside forward, particularly, especially in our game where we run the ball a lot and it's a lot of sharp ball and we take a lot of shots from 50, 60 yards out. There is times of the game where the ball might pass you by and you mightn't see a ball for 10 minutes, but anyone who's ever played in the inside forward line will tell you patience is probably the biggest thing to have in there. And it's no different that night. Just wait for gaps to open up and when they, they open, go for them and if that's in the first five minutes or the last five minutes, it doesn't really matter once you stay consistent. Be patient. What keeps you going? Success, really. Mad for success and to win. Um, like as a young boy, I wanted nothing more than to get up the stand, get up the Hogan stand steps. Um, and thankfully I've done that and got a Leinster title. But, you know, I, I want an All-Ireland medal. I want, I would love a county title with my club ferns. I'd love nothing more to have that and came close on a number of occasions. But it's the buzz that Hurling gives you. And whether that's running out in a county final and there's 5,000 people in Mexico Park and your whole community in Parish are there or it's running out in 70,000 in Cobb Park for a Leinster final and all-earned semi-final, it's the same buzz. And there's very little in life that can replace that buzz and excitement that a, a big championship match can give you. And, and, you know, you can be very anxious coming up to these games as well. They can be anxiety can actually be quite high in terms of your hoping and wanting everything to go well for you as an individual go well for you as a team but when it goes well there is no better feeling in the world but then the flip side too is it the lows are extremely low as well there's it's it's very lonely and it's very dark when things don't go well in big games for you in championship um, and that can be a challenge to deal with that 2014 is a year where say so I think earlier were probably the better team in 2013 but 2014 is a year I feel that Fern's probably left it behind where the county title was there for the taking. Why do you think it didn't happen that year? I don't know whether it was looking back. It was a little bit of complacency back then. Um, Owlert had obviously in 2013 and people forget that. That was a fantastic Owlert team. If you look mm-hmm. back at that team on paper, you know, you had like Paul Roach, Kiras, Darren Stamp, Larp Hender in the backs, you had the Jacobs, you had Des Maiden, these guys and then you had younger guys like my age at back then on more and Sean Murphy it was a fantastic team 2013 they won their fifth county title in a row you know so and, and back then Founder probably one of the teams that were putting it up to Owler consistently each year but we just didn't get over the line and 2014 came then and Owler think got bet in the quarter final by Lynn Marntown and it was a case of everybody looked at Ferns next to being pushing on the door for so many years and you know, we drew the shells in the semi-final and it was a miserable wet day and I think, I think they beat us by a point. Um, and looking back now, maybe it was a little bit of complacency and all the talk was this is Farns' year to win the county title. Did we take their eye off the ball a little bit, maybe by 5% and that's what caught us out. There's no definite answer to it, but that could have been part of the reason. But then again, that was a good shells team as well and you know, they went on and won the county title that year. I think it was St. Anne's at the bet that year. St. Anne's have a knack for getting the county finals one year and they could be favourites for relegation the next year or even in the same year. <clears throat> yeah, a difficult team to hurl against St. Anne's and you know, they have a lot of good players and they've been there, thereabouts in hurling and football for a long number of years since I've been starting, really. I was talking to Darren Stan the other day because um, we have a podcast coming up with him and I told him that we were doing one with you on the Monday. And he told me to ask you, did you ever score in the county final? And I was thinking, yeah, did you not score 1-3? Oh, I must have been gone off. 
did you not score until Darren Sam went off or I personally don't know now <laughs> I was marking Darren Stamp for a bit of that game, all right, and I don't know, I, I did, I scored one, I think it was 1-3 then in the county final, yeah, and I, I think I got it all in the second half, and actually I think, yeah, Darren did go off injured in the second half, and I actually think I remember him actually jogging off, and I was having a bit of verbal from Dolan, kind of, just he was a little bit afraid to stay on, and hurled <laughs> it out, was a bit, a bit too much for him, but Stamp was as tough as they come, to be fair to him, and you know, he was he was as blunt, he was a right team, right team type character in the Wexford dressing room. But if you if you were hurling on him, you'd you know you were in a battle anyway. That was one thing for sure. As honest as they come to us. Did you know it was a thing that he holds over you? <laughs> no, I didn't, but your look, if that's what keeps him ticking there, <laughs> <laughs> fair fair to him. <laughs> he he didn't bring it up anyway, maybe about the few clippings they given him in training down through the years anyway, that was for sure. <laughs> no, we'll we'll make sure and bring that up when we're doing it. <laughs> Who would have been the leaders in the dressing room when you joined the Wexford panel first? Um, I suppose Fitzhenry was there. Obviously, he was definitely a leader. Um, Kieran Kenny, you had Mick and Rory, Aliki Travers, Rossi. Um, you know there was, there was Gizzy, Gizzy and Owen Quigley were in it. There was they were the kind of main guys back then and right driving the whole <laughs> ship really. And would they have helped? The likes of you as a younger player in, in any particular way like would they have gone to you at the side and kind of said do you, if you need anything just let us know or how would it have worked or are you just yeah, kind of following by example yeah there would be mostly it was these guys leading by example and you know they they always they looked after themselves really 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 well and you know even Rory Jacob he, he'd bring his own meal on the bus he wouldn't need the meal that'd be given to the team he'd be that'd be how specific he'd be in terms of his preparation and you know, it'd always be there for you to put an arm around the shoulder and, you know, if you needed a bit of guidance. And, you know, it was a little bit intimidating for me back then as a 19 or 20-year-old because I grew up watching these guys play and, you know, I almost looked up to them and next thing you're, you're kind of sharing the dressing room and sharing the field with them. So you're a little bit conscious about, I suppose, how you go about talking to them even. And for you now, as one of the leaders in the dressing room, would would you be assuming that role as well? Would you be conscious of the younger players coming in and how the example that you're setting for them yeah definitely I'd be conscious of it and I'd want to be setting a good example both kind of on and off the field in terms of your preparation and then how you apply yourself at training as well and you know I'd like to think if any of them ever kind of wanted to talk or they wanted a bit of advice or anything you know that I'd be the type of person I'd be very approachable and they can come and talk to me no, no problem at all and I'd love nothing more than that than kind of helping the younger players starting out because I'd hate to see him make the same mistakes that I make that I made and kind of look back on it with a bit of regret. Do you see yourself playing with the county for many more years? And it's not something I think about. Obviously, like I'm 29 now and approaching 30, but it's not something I define in terms of if I'm going to play another two or three years. I, I kind of go with how, how my body is feeling. And at the moment, my body has never felt better and my fitness levels have never been better. And, you know, I think my form has been pretty consistent for the last couple of seasons. So be a combination of either my body will help me, kind of you're, you're not able to keep doing it, or it's mentally you just you haven't got the, the will to win and the desire to keep going for it. So I wouldn't be giving up solely based on a number and an age. But at the moment, anyway, I'm, I'm joining it, and that's the most important thing, and keep going with it until, until otherwise. I think it's nice to get to get it's nice to get across your point of view on a few things, especially you know when you're hearing a bit of 
negativity about the sweeper system in particular is like to put across kind of the modern uh, players' thoughts on how the system works and how you feel playing in it, you know, because a lot of these people like to just make throwaway comments and I don't understand the negativity because, you know, we're competing week in, week out now with the best teams in Ireland. So it's kind of hard to figure why people will be negative at the moment. But it's not as simple as just sweeper or no sweeper. It depends on players that you have and, and kind of what suits you as a team is best, really. Brian Wheelahan was saying that it's a cop-out to use a sweeper. Again, I think that's probably a little bit old school and a little bit traditional that kind of they've grew up in an environment where Harlem was pretty much played 15 on 15, get the ball from A to B as quick as you can. And the game has just evolved and it's moved on to a different level in terms of how it's playing. And if you're wanting to play like that, you know, you're, you're not going to be winning that anytime soon. I 100% agree with you. And especially like no one ever gives out about Kilkenny playing two half forwards in the half back line. That's just people, I suppose. Not they're not looking in. They're not looking at the game. You know, they're they're looking at it with kind of their last hat, glasses half on. Really, they're not actually watching. Like the big thing when you're watching Ireland match, if you want to watch how a team is playing, you almost have to look at certain players when the ball is in the other end of the field in terms of what they're doing. Yeah. Like if you look even at Limerick now, the way they play, like they will funnel all of their forwards out their field. Their half backs will go back. Their half forwards will go back to the half back line. Their inside guys will come out to the half hour lane at times when they turn the ball over. They might actually have 11 to 12 players inside their own 65 defending, and they kind of like to break, break off the shoulder then and run in numbers. And you know, they might only have two two players up top. Is the game plan now with Wexford is that only possible with an incredibly fit bunch of lads? Yeah, I think if you're going to play the system we play, you have to be incredibly fit because. It, there's a big emphasis on running. There's a big emphasis on support playing, moving off the shoulder. So if, if you haven't got that aerobic capacity to make them runs kind of for a full 75 minutes, you know, it, it's not going to suit you. Do you think that there's anything in the defeat to Tipperary in the semi-final last year that players kind of ran out of steam, that they put so much into the first three quarters of that game that they just couldn't keep the levels up? A bit of that, yeah, but momentum plays a part in that too. Like, they ever look at a team and they, they look dead and buried and they look like their legs are gone and suddenly they might get a goal and next thing it just gives them a whole new lease of life. And I think towards the end of that game, you know, Tipperary did get a bit of momentum and it made us look a bit sluggish, but we made some mistakes in that. Like, we didn't stick to the way we've been playing. We didn't keep working the ball up the field and running in numbers. You know, we hit a lot of ball in that last 10 or 12 minutes long and aimlessly down the middle on top of like Tariq, Maron and Mar, you know, and the main attribute of their game is their aerial ability. And, you know, they swallowed them type of balls up. We ended up bunching and we didn't play to our strengths at all. And the funny, actually, the real funny thing about that is because you'll hear people earlier on in the year, people criticising the Wexford team and, hit the ball long, stop this short pass and stop this tippy-tappy hurling or whatever they want to call it. But the very same people after the All-Ireland semi-final, what the big problem is, oh, Wexford hit the poke outs long, Wexford cleared everything long, they didn't keep doing and working the ball short. So it's totally contradictory, these same people that are saying these things, which is it's quite annoying. Uh, I can imagine. Uh, it's annoying being in the crowd, looking at the game and hearing the lads giving out just for holding on to the ball and not giving away possession and they're shouting... Will you hit it? Will you hit it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the type of stuff you just have to kind of let it in one ear and out the other and, you know, focus on what you need to focus on. It's actually, it's something for yourself. Like, you're so calm and composed on the ball. You pick it up and you don't rush the decision unless, unless there's something quick on which you, you'll give. 
but sometimes you know you'll just kind of stop with the ball in your hand and you'll have a look around to see what you do because you know that you have the time to and the crowd will start kind of mumbling and grumbling as, as if to say what what are you doing will you use the ball would you would you listen to the crowd at all in that moment or are you completely focused on what on what, what you're doing no you're completely zoned in and, and at that stage the ball is in your hand the game is going to be played on your terms when the ball is in your hand and what you do and whether that means holding on to the ball for another second or two or whether that means playing a quick pass it's playing and seeing what's in front of you really and you know the crowd doesn't really come into it at that stage and probably one of the strengths of my game you know people maybe they do groan about it but I think one of the strengths of my game is kind of smart use of the ball that I wouldn't be inclined to give away possession cheaply and I'd generally seven or eight times out of ten make the right decision when I have possession of the ball. Yeah, absolutely. Do you like the way we play? I love it. I absolutely love it. I like it, yeah. I like I would get most frustrated watching a match that the ball is hit away. But like just the the attacking like even remember being at the match against Dublin and watching Sean Murphy trying to run forward and his man just stopping him every chance he got. It was like, okay, teams are trying their best to try and con- contain these wing backs now because they know how dangerous they are. When when they were stopped, someone else is going. Like Liam Ryan scoring a point last year out on the sideline from full back, like that kind of thing. I love it. It's daily. That was an unbelievable score. It was one of the scores of the year. But isn't isn't it great that we've come to the stage where teams are really analysing Wexford because they see us as such a threat that. They're scrutinising our game plan and the way we're playing. Yeah. You know, isn't it great that teams are doing that now? That shows a level of respect for Wexford at the moment. That that's the in depth that they're going into. Like they're having blockers there to stop being back running and different things. And you know, we have a array of other stuff to throw at another day. That we see. Yeah, that's what I'm excited about. That's we we asked that as well. Like maybe he has more than one. Like he's got, he's got a couple of tricks up his sleeve for the for the year ahead. Yeah, most definitely. We're always working on new things and trying to innovate in the game. And, you know, if you even see, I think it was in the league this year, there was a sideline hit across the field to Mark Fanning and he came out to his own 45 and put it over the bar. And I think that's brilliant. You know, that's proper innovation in the game of Hurling. And, you know, it's great that you have the freedom to go and try that. And that's the good thing about the current Wexford setup. Like, there's so many options and decisions there for you. You know, some people talk about Davy has Wexford Orlers as a little bit robotic. It's the farthest thing from robotic. You're actually given so many choices and so many pockets of space to hit and do so many different things for the ball. It's actually really, it's a really enjoyable system to be playing in. It was free, free against Clare, was it against the wind? The shot was never on. So did, did Jack run up to it and then leave it behind and Paddy Foley ran up and then knocked it to Rory? That was, yeah, that was in Clare in the first half in the league that uh, Jack pulled on a a ball to, I think it was Paddy or Rory, and Rory hand-passed it back to Jack. And Jack actually played it into the corner to me, and yeah. I controlled it and actually got fouled, and we got a free and got a score off it. Yeah. But it was the innovation to pull on the ground and hit the ball backwards from the free, rather than how many times in a match would you see that ball, as the lad stands over it, belts it in, it lands on the square, there's about 20 bodies there around the ball, and it just ends up with a free out or something soft. Yeah. Was that a specific... Um training ground move or was just off the cuff we tried this no I actually think no it wouldn't take a lot for Jack O'Connor to give himself a bit of credit but I think Jack claims that that one was made up on the spot by himself <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, I remember watching that and thinking that was great because that wasn't the score until that bit of innovation you know but isn't it very frustrating in Harlem how many times do you see a ball you have a free in your own 45 your own 21 in your own backs and it's just belted down the field on top of a load of bodies 
And nine times out of ten, that ball comes back out the field. Very rarely do you get a score off it. It's, Bel- it's belted down on top of JJ Delaney or Tommy yeah, for years. Higher teams, like, this is why like, teams should be working on different things to change the approach. The only thing I would have said is in, I think, in 2017 and 2018, when we were playing that system, I did feel like if we were behind, we needed to change things at some stage. Like, say, against Clare that day, we clearly needed a change, like, but it wasn't there at the time. But I think he's brought that in now where we are able to come from behind. He is able to change things around. Like. Yeah, that's to do with mentality as much as anything else. But if you think about this, in our forwards, there's five forwards. In the opposition backs, there's six. That's 11 bodies up in our half of the field, In our uh, me as a forward. Go down to the other end of the field. Wexford have seven backs. They have six forwards. That's 13 bodies. You're rather playing the half of the field as 13 bodies or 11 bodies. If you break it down that way, you know, technically there should be. The game is being initiated and played on Wexford's terms because we've initiated an extra man at the back. And there's, so there's 13 versus 11 and every forward wants space. Yeah, space. You have space on your own. So that's, that's the whole idea of the quick ball that was said back in the day. Quick quality ball to get the ball in quick to the forward to make the space. You just create it in a different way. Yeah, yeah. But like people ignore the fact that Kilkenny played probably twelve men behind the ball for a lot of years that were really successful. Like Owen Larkin made a career out floating back. Yeah, I was looking. at Owen Larkin was ridiculous because he always got two or three scores in a game as well, even though he spent his games in the in the half back line nearly. Defending. Yeah, he was, an, he was an unbelievable hurler. He he actually was one of them total hurlers. He had great skill. He did great strike. He, did, he was a great ball winner. You know, he 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 was able to find pockets of space. You you know these players that naturally can just pop up free in different parts of the field. He was he was an all round player. He was probably one of the key to that Kilkenny forward line to a long number of years. Yeah, there's a lot of keys in that Kilkenny forward line. Who's the toughest player that you've ever had to mark? Outside of Wexford, Noel Connors definitely was a difficult one to mark. Inside of Wexford, James Breen was one of the tougher ones to mark. Tell us about marking James Breen. He's the, he's the kind of lad, he's, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't like the gym work, but he's the strength of a horse when you're marking him. And I don't know whether he's down there pulling tractors or calves around in Adamstown or what it is, but you know, if he stick his knee and his elbow and whatever he had to do to hit you, he, he'd hit you. And he, he's actually quite quick and he was sticky and strong and that all around makes a kind of a, a cornerback difficult to mark you know so plenty plenty of battles and run-ins with him and training down through the years <laughs> we had a story from Jack Guiney who also described James Breen as one of, one of the toughest lads he's had to mark where Jack actually broke the hurl across him because he, he told him he was going to break the hurl across him and he did and James Breen just laughed at him sm- smiled at him would you have had any, had any moments like that any times it might have gone a, a little bit too far with him? Yeah, many a times in matches he'd be driving you mad. And I actually remember there a couple of years ago, both of us were out injured and we were doing a bit of rehab with Harry Goff and we were just kind of building back up into a bit of contact stuff. And Harry was like kind of go 50, 60% at this high ball coming in between the two. It was kind of half go for the ball as such. The other lad comes in behind me and absolutely clocks me with an elbow on the side of the head. And, you know, I took the helmet off. The ear was... I think it would be bleeding and stuff and it was just take out him. But that that was the type of character and Air Breen was he he didn't know how to go at fifty percent. Yeah, he only knew how to go for it at hundred percent and it was it was balls out for the ball. 
<laughs> Who's the best player you've ever played with? I would say Lee Chin. I think if you look at Lee Chin as a player and how he has developed, um, mm. when he started onto the Wexford scene, he was kind of mixing a match in hurling and football. And probably looking back then, his hurling wasn't where it needed to be in terms of his touch and his striking. He was superbly athletic and, you know, he was able to take the ball between 45 to 45, you know, at his ease. And the one area of his game was his hurling that he needed to improve on. And if you look at it now, he's as kind of finest striker and as good a player that's in the game. And that's testament to the work that he would have done on, on his own to, to get to that level. What sort of hurl do you use? He was a 34-inch brain Welsh hurl. I've actually come down in size um, recently. I, I, well, in the last year or two, I was a 35 and I dropped down to a 34. I don't know. It seems to be the trendy thing to do at the time. And... I heard Adrian Fenlon on your podcast there. He was on about he used the 36 hurl and he can't understand lads. He was in 34s. He, he, he can't hook. He can't, he can't have as good a chance to hook in the lad. But I don't know. Yeah, he was saying that you lost two inches for, for blocking a ball down or for hooking. But uh, I'd say as a forward, you, you need a bit of a lighter stick than a, than a 36. Yeah, most definitely. So I think even there's lads using down as far as 33 inch hurls now. Um, but... I mean, six foot, so 34 is probably the lowest you go, really. Well, it's just down to whatever you feel comfortable with yourself. If you want a yeah, size 37, you can, you can go ahead with it. Yeah, that's the big thing with hurls. Find, find a, a hurley maker and a hurley type that works for you and you know, find the right way, find the right balance, and off you go. If you were to pick a player to go to war with, who would it be? Matt O'Hanlon would have to be right up there. In fairness to him, there's no end to him in terms of training and he'd always have your back and you know if you're going into battle with anyone he'd be a good lad to have by your side yeah we've we've heard compliments like that from matt before they, they weren't actually as nice as that yeah no, and it wouldn't be something that i'd like to be giving out to him much it'd be compliments to matt o'hanlon now because he's pretty fond of himself so <laughs> <laughs> that's more like it <laughs> thanks very much for coming on yeah you said this paul yeah, no worries, lads. Thanks for having me. Enjoyed that. So that's our podcast with Paul Morris. Hope you enjoyed it. A very enjoyable chat. It's great to get the view from inside the panel and the view from who I believe is one of the most intelligent players in the game right now. Also one of Wexford's longest serving players. Shane Tompkins, unfortunately, couldn't make it. He is trying to finish a 100-piece jigsaw of the 96th panel and he thinks he may have mixed up moustaches so hopefully he gets that right we'll be back next week with another great guest in the meantime if everyone could share on facebook share on instagram give us a retweet and subscribe to the podcast that'd be great thanks for listening stay safe I like